I want more of you, God. I want more of you, God. Pour it out. How many of us say that kind of thing, but do we really mean it? Don't just think about that for a moment. We, we tell God we want more of Him, but do we really want to do what's necessary to get more of Him? Turn with me to Exodus chapter 33. Let's go to the Lord in prayer before we go any further. Father, Lord, we love You. And Lord, we just give you praise because you're worthy of it, Lord. Right now, God, I just ask that you send your Holy Spirit, Lord, to open up our minds and our hearts, Lord, that we could hear and understand your word. Lord, these things are only discerned through the Spirit, and uh, our natural man just can't really fathom what it is that you're trying to say. So, Lord, right now I ask that you just Help us to understand and help us to see it the way you'd have us to see it, Lord. And Lord, with that being said, I just ask that you get me out of the way and that you would just come and have your will in everything, God, and that anything that's said and done would be for your glory and no one else's. Lord, I ask that you send anointing right now, Father, that I could speak and say the things you'd have me to and that you would be glorified in everything that's said and done. I ask it in Jesus' holy name. Amen. <clears throat> Exodus chapter 33, we're going to start reading in, in uh, verse 11. We're going to read about Moses here, and we're going to see about his relationship with God. And, and you know, I, I just said a while ago, that we often have that, that ideal in our mind that says, Lord, I want more of you. And we're going to see how Moses, man, Moses was like that. He, he had a really close relationship with God, and he, he always wanted more of him. But then we're going to go look at something else in a minute that's going to show us where a lot of us stand today and the reason why we don't get more of God even though we say that. So in verse 11 it starts, it says, And the Lord spake unto Moses face to face, as a man speaketh unto his friend. And he turned again into the camp. But his servant Joshua, the son of Nun, a young man, departed not out of the tabernacle. Joshua was another one. He just said, you know what, I'm just going to hang out and be in the presence of God. Everybody else can go on about their business, but I'm going to stay right here. And Moses said unto the Lord, See, thou sayest unto me, Bring up this people, and thou hast not let me know whom thou wilt send with me. Yet thou hast said, I know thee by name, and thou hast also found grace in my sight. Moses is kind of reminding God, not like he needed to, but he's reminding God of the things God has said to him and, and this relationship that they have. And what, what has happened before this is that 
God got so frustrated, he said, I ain't going with you. Y'all go ahead. I'm not going to be a part of this anymore. So Moses is saying, you know what, God? You don't go with me. I ain't going either. All right? So let, let's take, let that sink in as we read this and understand where Moses is at right now because he wants this close relationship with God. He wants to be in God's presence. He wants God guiding and leading in everything they do. And he says, if I don't have that, I'm not going to be a part of it. And y'all, we need to take that sort of stance in our, in our walk with God. We're, we're not trying to strong arm God in any way, but we need to have that perspective that says, if God's not in it and He's not going, I'm not going either. I need to shift my direction if that's the case. Verse 13, Now therefore I pray thee, if I have found grace in thy sight, show me now thy way that I may know thee, that I may find grace in thy sight and consider that this nation is thy people. And he said, My presence shall go with thee, and I will give thee rest. And he said unto him, If thy presence go not with me, carry us not up hence. For wherein shall it be known here that I and thy people have found grace in thy sight? Is it not in that thou goest with us? So shall we be separated, I and thy people, from all the people that are upon the face of the earth. And the Lord said unto Moses, I will do this thing also that thou hast spoken. For thou hast found grace in my sight, and I know thee by name. Man, that's pretty awesome, but y'all, Moses wasn't satisfied. Look at verse 18. You know, sometimes when you're asking somebody for something, and they're agreeing to it all, and you're kind of on a roll, sometimes you got to go ahead and get another little request in. You know, hey... They're agreeing to everything else. I might as well ask for one more thing. Right? He said, I beseech thee, show me thy glory. What's he saying there? He's saying, God, I want more of you. I want more of you, God. Pour it out on me. He's already dealing with God like a good friend, face to face, just talking with Him and and asking and receiving. And He says, that ain't enough. I want more of you. Some, one thing I want to kind of highlight here for y'all is verse 16. And this is where we really start digging deep into the message this morning. Because this is what it means to be called a Christian. This is, this is the identifying mark that sets us apart that would prevent the world from calling us hypocrites. Okay? Moses says, I'm going to try to put this in simple English to get rid of all that fancy stuff, but he says, how else are people going to know there's anything different about us unless they see you with us? How are we any different from the rest of this world unless the presence of God is with us? It doesn't matter what you call yourself. It doesn't matter how you dress. It doesn't matter how how moral and upright of a person you are. Y'all hear me this morning. 
Don't get quiet on me now. Come on. If God and His Holy Spirit are not showing up in your life, listen to me, church. If the presence of God is not with you, what is the difference in you and everybody else? You see, that Moses recognized that. Moses said, look, I've got a bunch of people that are following me, and what is the point if God's not with me? When I get out of here and we make it into the promised land and we got to deal with all these other people, what's the point if God's not with me? I look just like them. Turn over to 1 John chapter 1 now. First John chapter 1, and we're going to start in verse 5. <clears throat> this then is the message which we have heard of Him, and declare unto you that God is light, and in Him is no darkness at all. If we say that we have fellowship with Him and walk in darkness, we lie and do not the truth. But if we walk in the light as He is in the light, we have fellowship one with another, And the blood of Jesus Christ, His Son, cleanses us from all sin. If we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say that we have not sinned, we make Him a liar, and His word is not in us. And you know, if you just kind of listened to that a little bit and didn't really pay attention, you might say, well, Brother Kevin, what in the world does that have to do with what we was just talking about? But you, you see, this relationship with God is really dependent upon us. I want you to understand that God's already done everything necessary for us to have a good relationship with Him. He came toward us. He sent His Son to redeem us. He has paid for all of our sin, so the only thing that can stand between us and Him is us. And so Moses had this awesome relationship with God, but I want you all to see that there is a cost to having that relationship. You know, we, we, we say, God, we want more of you. God, we want, to, want you to pour out everything on us. We want to be close with you. But are we willing to sacrifice other things that are important to us at the expense of that? Because we can't continue to live a worldly life, live in the world and like the world, and expect that God's going to give us more of Him and show us His glory and, and, and all these things. We can't be like everybody else and be like Him too. It's just not possible. Otherwise, what's the point? See, we're back in that same scenario. God, if You're not going to be with us, we're just like everybody else. Now see, in that instance, it was Moses saying, God, if You're not with me, I ain't doing it. But in this instance, it's almost the roles reversed. God's saying, 
If you're not going to let me be with you, I'm not doing it. We, we like to play games. Verse 6 there in 1 John chapter 1 says, If we say that we have fellowship with Him, who here today says, I am a child of God? Anybody? I see hands, right? Okay, listen. If we say that we have fellowship with Him and walk in darkness, we lie and do not the truth. Man, that's hard to hear, y'all. <laughs> but listen to it. That's the truth right there. You can't have one foot in the world living however you want to and have another foot over in Christianity saying, God, we want more of you and expect that these things are just somehow going to work themselves out. It's not. The two can't coexist. And let's just look at the physical realm for a moment. This is something that the laws of physics dictate. This ain't got nothing to do with religion for a second. Okay? You cannot have light and darkness in the same space. You just can't. Where light is, it blows away darkness. Okay? And you know why you can see shadows? Because there's not total light there. There are places that light can be blocked out. But when we go into eternity, when we're in God's presence, finally, there will be no darkness. Because He is light and He's going to be everywhere. It's all consuming. So I want you to see that for a moment. When we are trying to walk in light, when we want to be close to Him, we want more of Him, we want God doing all these great things in our life, but we kind of tiptoe over in darkness a little bit too. You know what God does? He says, "Mm -mm, I don't want no part of it. He can't be. Moses told God the only way the nation of Israel would be known as something different in the world was if He was with them. Otherwise, they'd just be another one of the ites, right? God was the thing that set Israel apart. God was the difference maker in Israel. If you will go and read the Old Testament, spend some time there, you'll see the times that they were serving God, they were a dominating force that could not be hindered. The times that they would slip away and begin to serve other gods, all of a sudden they would just get run over. They they couldn't win a battle to save their life. The times God was with them, they needed a few to conquer many. The times he wasn't, it didn't matter how many they had, they'd get dominated. God was the difference in Israel. There wasn't anything special about those people other than God said, this is my people. And y'all, the the same thing is true today for all of Christianity. There is nothing different about me. I'm just a man. Same thing for you too. I don't care who you are. There's nothing different about you from anybody else in this world except God calls you His child. And that only happened because He provided a way for you to come into fellowship with Him. That only happened because of Him. 
The only reason I have a hope today of eternal life is because of Him. It's not by anything I did. It's all by grace poured out from Him. It all comes from Him toward me. There is nothing I can do to impact anything about my life except accepting Him. Now, if I'm going to want more of Him, y'all, I've got to give up some stuff. I, I can't continue just living like the world, looking like them, and expect God to bless me and expect God to reveal things to me. Y'all, there have been times in my life when, when I felt God just move strongly and everything I did, every time I prayed, it's like He was just boom, He was there. And then there's other times when I get a little concerned about myself and tied up in the things I like to do and the worldly stuff and whatever. It's like I can't even get close to God. It's like I can't even hear Him. You think there's a difference? I guarantee you there's a difference. You see, what I do matters. The way I live matters. It it changes the way He deals with me. When I'm walking in righteousness, when I'm, and you might say, well, well, can you even be righteous? It ain't my righteousness. I'm walking in His righteousness. When I'm doing that, the Word says plainly, if you walk in the Spirit, you will not fulfill the lust of the flesh. So when I'm doing that, when I'm doing what I'm supposed to be doing as a child of God, focusing my efforts and everything in my life toward Him, God moves in mighty ways in my life. But when I begin to take my eyes off of Him and I put them on concerns of the world, put them on financial things or material things or even family things, y'all hear me? All of a sudden, it's like I can't hear from God anymore. Anybody understand what I'm saying this morning? Verse 7 there in 1 John chapter 1 says, If we walk in the light as He is in the light, we have fellowship one with another. That confirms everything I just said right there. We have fellowship with Him then. He's not going to come over into darkness for you. You hear me? He's not. And by darkness I mean the sinful state you find yourself in. Now listen, y'all, I'm not trying to tell you that God doesn't come after you. I'm not trying to tell you that God doesn't stick with you through dark times. I'm not trying to say that. I'm trying to say that the fellowship between you and Him is not going to be what it should be when you're living the way you want to, not the way He wants to. You cannot expect Him to come and continue to get close to you and pour out on you when... You're just off living however you see fit. Bible says real plainly, y'all, listen to me. It says, there is a way that seems right to a man, but the end of it is death. Okay? Now that's a little bit paraphrased in Kevin's words, but that's the gist of it. You see, there is a price for sin. And if it was nothing else, okay, there's plenty of other consequences, but if there were no other ones but this one, it's worth avoiding it. And that's losing that fellowship with God. Y'all, when Adam and Eve were in the garden, 
The Word says that God would come down every day and walk with them in the cool of the evening. I don't want you to just put yourself there for a moment. You think there wasn't some expectation, some excitement? Man, God is coming down this evening, y'all. He's going to come walk with us. We're going to talk and, and, and just fellowship with each other. They look, I guarantee you, they look forward to that every day. The God of all creation would come down and just hang out with them. You think about that long enough, it ought to bring some tears to your eyes. And then, what happened? Y'all, we don't put enough emphasis on what really happened. We think of it as, well, they broke this one little rule, and, and well, they weren't supposed to eat from that tree, and they did. They messed up. That, y'all, that's not what happened. They rebelled against God. We need, to, we need to understand the seriousness of sin, okay? Because we, we look at sins like people talk about little white lies. It's not really that bad, you know, eh, all this justification we try to put on sin. But y'all, sin is exactly that. It's rebellion against God. It's saying, God, you're foolish. I, I know way better than you do. And I'm going to go over here and do what I want to do because to me it seems right. That's rebellion against God and His law. Let me ask you something, your parents. If you set a rule for your kid and they said, I ain't doing that, what would you do? How would that make you feel? I'll come here a little... Little Joe or little Susie, whatever, you know, it's okay. I guarantee you that ain't going to happen in my house. I think my kids know that too. I, I guarantee you most of you sitting here today feel the same way. You tell your kids this is how it's going to be and they say, not today. There's going to be a day of reckoning, isn't there? And it's exactly the same way with God when when God has established law and you say, I ain't doing that. He says, all right, there's consequences. Hmm? So how is it that we want more of Him, but we want more of of this world and our own selfish desires too. It shouldn't be that way. I think that's what the Bible refers to as a double-minded man. You want to say you're one thing, but you want to act a different way. You want some things, but you want some other things too that, that actually contradict the other one. Y'all, you can't... You can't drive a Ford F-350 and expect to get 30 miles a gallon. It don't happen, does it? I know there's somebody sitting here saying, well, my truck. Come on. Listen. Y'all know what I'm trying to say. There's sacrifices to be made, right? You say, I'm going to drive a Ford F-350. Well, I realize I'm giving up this over here 
to have this. I, I've got to have more power. I've got to be have a, a, a larger hauling capacity and all that. And I realize I'm sacrificing something for it. Y'all, those same principles apply throughout all of life. You want to have one foot over in the world where you're sacrificing something to have that. You want to be close to God and have more of Him, you're going to have to sacrifice something to have that. See, some things that you sacrifice are worth giving up. But you have to decide that. You hear me, church? You have to decide that. Is it worth giving this up? There will be times in your life when you make a stupid decision and say it wasn't worth giving that up. I'm going to hang on to it. And then later on you're like, man, I wish I'd have gave that up. Sometimes those things seem so important to you and you think it's going to be the end of the world if you let it go. But the reality is you're sacrificing that close walk with Jesus for that temporary satisfaction, whatever it is. I want to ask you that question one more time. Do you really want more of Him? Or do you just like the ideal of having more of Him? There's a cost that goes with serving Him. Y'all, we, we often look at it and say, well, you know, I'm just, I want to serve Jesus because that's, the, that's where it's at. That's the good thing. We don't, we don't weigh the cost. There's a cost, y'all. There's a cost with serving God. Now, I don't want you to start thinking that, that somehow His, His law is, should be a burden to you because it's not. When you get the right perspective, you see that His law is there to, to help you, to save you from things. And so it's not a burden. What you find out is those things that come so naturally and so easy in this world that, that are no effort up front become a burden later on. You realize that there is a cost for sin. It's just not on the front end a lot of times. We must rid ourselves of sin. And here, here's the thing I really want to leave you with today. We must keep the old man. Those of you that are saved, that are children of God, that serve Him, listen to this. You must keep that old man and his desires beat down. You're not going to hear that in the world. That's not a popular concept. You've got to keep him suppressed to the point that, that the new man, the spiritual man, who the new creation I am in Jesus Christ, to keep that old man suppressed to the point that this new man can thrive. That means forsaking our desires 90% of the time. Putting aside those things we want for the sake of the new man being able to thrive. 